Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast, a podcast where we invite you to be part of their world. We're your host, Jared and James. Today we are joined by a very special guest and friend of the show, Zbex. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last week we talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly surrounding set one halfway through the season. So if you haven't had a chance to listen, go back and check it out. Today we are joined by a very special guest, and if you don't know her from Magic the Gathering, then you'll probably recognize her from the Tinkerbell cosplay she donned at Gen Con. It's the one and only Zbex. How's it going? Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me on Citizens of Lorcana. Uh, it's going great. We're so excited to have you on. Uh, I was just thinking about this. I had reached out to you way, like before Gen Con even. And we've just been playing tag back and forth trying to get you on here. Yes, but we finally made it happen. And uh, with some <laughs> some good stuff to talk about, too. And I didn't even realize at that time that like I had watched the videos on Twitter of you making the Tinkerbell cosplay. I was like, that is so cool. But I didn't realize at that time that you were like interested in playing Lorcana and starting your own like content channel, which we're going to talk about. That's cool. so awesome. Yeah, it all happened. Uh, it was all in the works. And sometimes there's a lot going on. So then it all came out at once. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, yeah. So as you mentioned, there was lots of news that came out. And uh, we wanted to talk about that before we got into the meat of the episode. All right. So today we got a little hint early in the Lorcon HQ that something big was coming. And on all the social media, uh, Robinsberger posted about Lorcana. And they, they dropped basically some bombs. Uh, the first one uh, was the uh, mentioned uh, over a month ago, I think, October restock was happening starting uh, either late this week or next week. Uh, they said that the restock will begin to roll out at local game stores in North America starting next week, which means it's going to show up at distributors and then get to stores. The James, reprint. Did uh, you not call this last week when you're like, it'd be nice if they communicated with us because October is a big month. Like if they knew that it wasn't coming until the end of the month, it would have been nice for them to say that. So we weren't at the stores the beginning of October. Yeah. Or just it would have been nice to know. But I think, I think they, I think it, it really was that they just, had to wait for the stuff to actually get in a position where they could call the time frame that it was going to ship. Uh, so I think that's definitely what it was. Uh, with a four-week buffer. Yeah, with a four-week buffer. <laughs> Plus or minus. <laughs> um, and then remember that they announced also, when they announced the October restock, that the quarter one reprint was actually going to show up in holiday. But now they say reprint of the first chapter, boosters and starters, is moved up and will begin shipping mid-november in north america and so shipping means most likely not arriving in mid-november but maybe after thanksgiving sometime in early december we're actually going to have it weeks before christmas it sounds like 
Well, uh, Zbex, you work at an LGS. What do what do you take from this? Um, I fully expected it not to be restocked until the end of October. I was very transparent with my customers saying, I don't know anything more than you do about the restock and what Ravensburger has posted on their social media. And I said, you know, it could be the first week of October. It could be the last week of October. And those are two very different dates, but I don't know. So take that with a grain of salt. And that's pretty much what I told everybody and kind of glad that I did because I set up the expectation that it could be, you know, we've only got, it's Wednesday today, Thursday and Friday of this week, and then it's next week. So literally there are four business days left in October. Cutting it close. So and what this means is basically if we start getting the, the restock next week and then two weeks later, Rise of the Floodborne comes out. And then that's when apparently the reprint is shipping. And so that means two, three weeks later, we're getting the reprint. Well, the... we're hungry for cards. <laughs> yes, we are. But I think what's really nice about this is that means we won't have this two-month drought of product. It, it sounds like we're going to get something in stores every two to three weeks for the next month and a half or two. Knock on wood. Knock on I wood. Think, I think this first one for game stores is going to be smaller than the initial launch, which I think is going to be maybe less than now that more people are excited. Like even more people have heard about it than who were in it back in August, mid-August. So then, yes, there are better cards in Floodborne. So I think that will pull off some of the need to get chapter one. But I still have people who are playing like barely upgraded intro decks at my constructed deck league. So I know people are literally fiending to get their hands on any packs like they want to buy stuff. Yeah. So I, I just hope there's enough. I hope so. I, I, and again, I, I, I think I think you're right that this uh, this restock is not going to be enough. And I'm not even sure the reprint is going to be enough, but I think it's definitely going to be helping. The demand for Floodborne is going to be crazy. So I think if you're listening, you just need to know that don't expect to actually be able to get your hands easily on the first chapter or any cards until those big box stores get their restock. Yeah. Which... and. The reprint is a reprint of set one and set two, right? Yes. But so it says the reprint of the first chapter boosters has been moved up, which means the reprint of set two probably is still going to show up in late December. Okay. At, I'm okay with that. Mentioned. Yeah, that's fine because that gives a chance for the first wave to sell out and then the reprint to come in once, you know, and, and refresh the stock and hopefully get it all up into stores again a second time right before Christmas. So the next big announcement was an announcement of an announcement coming <laughs> basically Which is fine i'm fine with that yes it's better uh, than it's nothing. what we wanted yeah it's what we wanted um starting in quarter two 2024 they're going to start both official fan events and official competitive circuit and what the difference to those is fan events will be a way for disney fans to come together to share their love of florcana even if they may not necessarily play the game and competitive events are exactly what it sounds like. It's the premier place for Disney Lorcana TCG players to prove themselves. You can also expect exclusives for each of these type of events. And we will share more details in January 2024. I'm ready to book my tickets right now. I know, right? Any, 
wherever these are, I think we'll, we're going to go to these because basically it sounds like the fan events are going to be mini Lorcana conventions is what it sounds like. <laughs> Hire me to cosplay at your event. And, and it's, so it's going to be fun. And then the tournaments are going to have, as they mentioned, uh, the premier place to prove themselves. So they're going to have what you would expect from almost any other TCG's competitive events that they run. So I'm expecting, you know, big events, side events, exclusive, uh, you know, for champions and top eights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what they do mention is they'll have tournament guidelines and other policies live on the official site, which some of it's already showing up. Uh, the play guidelines are back on the site um, and all the other policies will have regular updates as we align globally and take in feedback from our players to make competitive play the best experience we can. Uh, and then the final thing that was announced is about promos, which they kind of slid in three promos with brand new cards in this announcement, uh, which is lastly, we've recently announced a change to convention promos going forward. Convention promos will no longer have the logo of the convention on them, but there will be three new cards available for each set with a promo icon in the rarity spot. These cards have slight differences to the foil pattern compared to the cards found in the booster packs. When we are attending conventions in any region, we will announce how you can obtain promo cards. You might even be able to obtain all three at one event. So very clear that what they're going to be doing for promos going forward is you're going to be able to get a certain number of promos in the OP kits. And you're going to be able to get a certain number of promos in the conventions they travel to throughout the year or other trade show events. And I think that's really cool that they're doing a set number every set so we can expect and keep in mind what we're going to need to collect going forward. So real talk here. Do you think they listened to our podcast last week and they're like, hey, let's communicate with the fan base? <laughs> we 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 wish we had that much power, uh, but I'm pretty sure that this has been building for weeks now of them needing to get this information out and just making sure that, uh, you know, all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed. I got that. Yeah. right. OK, yeah. I think that's all it really was. I do think that someone out there is listening to you and you do have influence over the community, but I also do think that marketing laid this out in time with needed announcements before the end of October. It makes sense just to stack it all together. Yeah. I saw the um, community manager, Rochelle post in the Lorcana HQ after the announcement that uh, she really pushed hard to get this announcement out as soon as possible. Uh, so that we had that information available to us. And uh, so thank you to Marcel, the community manager, for uh, advocating for the player base and the fans and the collectors. I personally like that the stamp is going to be the same for all of the promo things. I know that the D23 promos are insanely valuable right now, but I don't know what you need to do to go to that event, but I have not attended that event before. It's at a specific part of the world, so it might not be as easy for everybody to get to as any given convention they go to in any region where you could get all three. So I really like that. Yeah, accessibility. promos special, but not exclusively like really difficultly exclusive they're still special they're still limited but they're not impossible to get well every convention they're at so they've done d23 they've done gen con games con and spiel and every single one there's just been throngs of people to get this card with a special stamp on it so i think the hope is that by having this promos uh symbol be the same across 
all conventions that it won't be a crush of people at every convention. Yeah. Narrator. There was a crush of people at every convention. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's still going to be a lot of people excited at every convention, but the fact is demand is really high and this just gives more people a chance to get it in their hands. And I still think these are going to be like, you look at the Hey, Hey and Nizma and Mickey Mouse store promos. Those are all like, 200 400% something ridiculous of what they are like $8 $20. I think these yeah. are going to also be $100, you know, $50 depending on how how many of them they're handing out, but they look they're good. Like Rapunzel, she's good. So good. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right. Well, let's get into uh into the show and talk to to Zbex. So, as Jared mentioned, you are very well known in the magic world and we're going to talk Lorcana in a little bit. But I think we start at the beginning. How did you get into magic? Um, well, if we start at the very beginning, I have two older brothers and they are 10 and 11 years older than me. So I got all their crap magic cards that they didn't <laughs> want to play with that I could, you know, as a five to six year old wreck around and whatever. Uh, so that was my first introduction. And then when I met my now husband, when we were dating, I was like, oh, you play magic. I know you tap these things sideways. Teach me. I want to kick your butt. So that's how it started. And do you kick his butt? Yeah, uh, from time to time. We just got paired against each other round one last oh, no. Tuesday. I know. Oh. Um, And I was really tired and made some. I had a hand of three counter spells and failed to counter the thing I bounced back to his hand to counter. So I said, you win. But other times I beat him. Nice. <laughs> I'm still trying to get my wife into playing Lorcana. I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but one can hope. I've seen so many more women playing Lorcana or with interest at the local game store. We had 11 people two Fridays ago and five out of 11 people were women. So I thought wow. that was really cool. I do not see quite the same numbers in magic. That's fantastic. Yet. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you got into magic. Um, how did you get into cosplaying? Because, I mean, I've seen some of your costumes and they're number one they're remarkable number two it's remarkable that you you make all of your costumes right yes i make almost all of them there's a couple that i've purchased that of just you know wanting to dress up for halloween and then i'm like oh i can use this too and, <laughs> um but it started because i have a dance background and so i've made my own dance costumes so i know i know how to sew so i had that skill you know in my tool belt so to speak and when I started playing magic, Liliana of the Veil is a very beautiful black haired character in a sexy purple dress. So if you go to a game store that has magic, there is a chance they still have their Liliana of the Veil window decal outside. Or you could even do a quick Google search and see what I'm talking about. But I saw this beautiful woman on the game store that we were attending all the time. And I'm like, she's hot. I want to dress up like her because I don't know how to play the game all the way yet. And we're going to a pro tour where I can't ask you what's going on right next to the table where the game is being played. So I want to dress up like I do and bring my dance stage to the magic floor stage. 
so to speak. That's how it all kind of started. So you can think magic for me actually cosplaying outside of Halloween. My daughter did dance for many, many years, and I have all the costumes. You probably know what I'm talking about, but never once did the, the idea enter to teach her. Uh, not that I could teach her sewing, but uh, that's a, that's really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of things from dance that are super handy in cosplay. Just, you know, thinking about how you need to take something on and off or how you want to present yourself to the camera or do a TikTok dance if you're wanting to do a little skit, whatever. Posing even. Disney characters especially. Pointing your foot out to the side when you do that little princess pose so you get that elongated leg. Oh, that's such a dance move. (laughs) (laughs) i would never ever ever think of these things (laughs) i i've had several photographers say oh i can tell you're a dancer because they they know that you have a more natural movement or you you, where other people are like awkward in front of the camera but you if you've done it you've had photo shoots before dance recitals that are required you've got to have the pictures to give to the parents so, so you had a bunch of experience from dance and, and all that, but for your cosplay experience for the first time, it's different than dance. So was it different enough to make you extra nervous, scared, excited, you know, what, and then during that first experience, what, was there anything specific that was uh, like compelling enough to make you want to continue or was it just like, it was a really good experience or, you know, Fill in all the details on that. It was a really good experience. The first time that I cosplayed Liliana was in Hawaii at Pro Tour Hawaii. So I was like more of a cocktail version of Liliana, not the formal gown. So this is also what I would consider today closet cosplay, where I just used items that I had existing in my wardrobe. I did buy a gold belt and a necklace and a black wig and black gloves. But some of the other jewelry and and shoes and socks and such that I had were my own. Uh, So I had a great experience. People kind of knew who I was. There was a banner with Liliana. So I got to do a little side-by-side photo. Um, Looking back at it, then I was able to say, oh, well, here's some differences side-by-side where I can improve it for next time. Um, But overall, it was a fun experience. I was excited. Um, It was a little warm, so I was ready to get out of the wig in Hawaii. Like you, So those are some things to think about when you're cosplaying the environment that you're going to be wearing your costume in, whether it's winter or summer, Hawaii or Chicago in the winter, you know. But um, yeah, so it was a great time. And I didn't, I wouldn't say too many people like recognized me or came up and complimented me. But I was with my partner and another friend who traveled with us. And it was, we were all having a fun time. So it was a good trip all around. So did you go to play or did you go specifically just to be, you know, hang out and you're like, I'm going to dress up. Okay. So back in the day, they had wristbands for the pro tour and you could only get in to watch if, if you had a wristband and The only way you got a wristband is if you were in the tournament or if you were a pro player who had a friend or family member that you gave a wristband to. So so we went and we bummed some wristbands off some players who didn't have any friends or family because there's people that travel from all over the world. So 
you know, people from smaller countries are not bringing extra people and have their wristbands. So then once you get in, though, they do have drafts that you can sign up for and play against other pro players that are more casual on Sunday for people that didn't make it. So we did go and we did get to play with some pro players. But yeah, a little, a little bit of my devious side. <laughs> and like, sorry, I'm just fo- asking these follow up questions here. At what point were you like, you know what, this is something this is where I'm going to plant my flag doing cosplay. Was it after that first experience? Mm, no, it was more like I would make a new costume for each event that we would go to. And I had gone to a couple more events in Portland and Seattle. Then the next time that the pro tour went to Hawaii, we went back. Oregon's pretty close to get there, so it's not too expensive for us. But I dressed up as Nissa World Waker, who was my a planeswalker and I, I went a little bit more out. I used some body paint. I had a prop. Um, and I looked a lot closer to her. I got recognized so much that when I was out later with people who I'd met that day with my blonde hair down, they were like, no, that wasn't you. So that was kind of cool to be like, no, I swear that was me. That was me. <laughs> um, but in my Nissa cosplay at the pro tour in a separate room, they have a feature match area with all of the fancy magic backdrops. And at that point, a photographer, um, Craig was like, Hey, would you like to go and take some photos with the backdrop? I said, yes. And while I was there, some people who were there to do coverage or production who worked for wizards of the coast, Mark Purvis gave me a guru forest because of me being dressed in cosplay which if you look up the price of that card, I don't know what it's at now, but last time when I got it, it was about a hundred dollars. Last time I looked, it was like two fifty. So I got a really nice token of appreciation directly from somebody who worked for magic. And that was definitely like a defining moment of like, whoa, people who work for the company think it's cool that I'm doing this. Like, okay, I already was having fun doing this because I just like making costumes and dressing up and being part of the community. But whoa, they really like that I do this. So yeah. That is such a cool story. And I I mean, I'm not going to say we're on the same trajectory as you, but uh, James and I went to Gamma back in, when was that? March? April. April. So cool. We were able to meet a lot of the people from Robinsberger, including the CEO. And he told me, he's like, yeah, I've listened to your podcasts. <laughs> like when he said that, I don't know. It just, the fact that they were aware of us and he appreciated it. It just, I don't know. It was one of, it's a memory I'll never forget. We're like, no, um, no, I definitely no, you don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just said you're on their radar. Right. Um, so this is the perfect chance for me to ask you the next question. You actually asked me this and I'm asking it back to you. What was the first time you were recognized? I, I don't actually remember the first time I was re- recognized. I know you, you gave me a little preview of these questions and I was like, geez, I think the more shocking times I've been recognized was two times in one night at Costco I was recognized by people. One of them, there's someone who I know who works in the in the eyeglass department, but it was not that person. 
and it was not someone who I recognized. So I was like, what? And then the other person was just a ran, not an employee, was just a random person at Costco. They're like, CBEX. I was like, they didn't like stop to like identify themselves. I was like, where did it come from? And so <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Sometimes that happens too, where I'm talking to people in the store and more people know me because I've worked at the store for so long, just as a girl who worked at the store. And then they'll be like, oh, you popped up on like my YouTube the other day. I'm like, whoa, like I didn't know you were someone. So I almost get like the reverse, like, I don't know what you'd call that recognition. But yeah, you're yeah, you're just the person that works at the store that sells them their cards. And then all of a sudden they find out, oh, wait, she does all this other stuff, too. Yeah, they're like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I mean, I don't know. You came in to buy stuff. I don't want to just throw that at everybody. <laughs> I, you know, I found that same dynamic, too, when I go to my local events. Like, I don't know. I just find it awkward to be like, yeah, I have a podcast. Um, you know, sometimes during the course of a conversation, it'll come up, but I don't typically go out of my way to volunteer it. You want to know my strategy of how I told everyone at my game store? <laughs> how does your store do prizes? Do they do them for the group at the end? My store, the one I've been going to, they do a random drawing a half, like after the second round. Oh, okay. So my store after the third round does like a like group announcement and handout and placing of the stickers on the mat and everything. It's kind of like a celebration. So after the last one was handed, I like just shouted, by the way, I have a channel on YouTube. You should go check it out. And then <laughs> that's real subtle. People are walking out the door. And so then this past week, they were like, so wait, what were you saying like last night or the week before? I said, it kind of worked. <laughs> well, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's come up in conversation a couple of times at, at a couple of the stores where, you know, we start talking about stuff where we found like, oh, well, I do a podcast, so I did this. And they're like, oh, OK, well, what's the podcast? I'm like, yes. But I, I, I yeah, I, I, I'm not sitting there throwing out business cards on everyone like, oh, listen to this podcast. Yeah, I hope I hope uh, I do have some magic people who have recognized me for doing Lorcana content, but I do hope to be recognized out in the wild for Lorcana soon. And, you know, maybe even by a Ravensburger employee. That'd be awesome. Yes. Well, speaking of, this is a good segue into the next question, which is you're good at social media. So there, I'm certain that a lot of that stems from cosplaying and being able to go out there and do stuff. But there are also cosplayers out there who aren't, you know, dynamic or really getting their socials out. So what what's like what's your secret sauce for for all the promotion and, and being able to, like, interact and be be social on social media? I uh, have fun with what you're doing. If you don't have fun, it's going to come across as work and people aren't going to want to view it. Um, be consistent, which for me, that might mean posting every day. I have a Monday through Friday schedule currently that I try to achieve. But if Monday through Friday, posting five times a week is too much for you. And once a week is more achievable or once a month, if you're making crazy cool YouTube videos that take a lot of editing and stuff like I would not expect you to put out a video like that five days a week. So consistency, whatever that looks like for you, because algorithms pick up on whatever consistency you set for them. Um, and I don't know, interact with your community. That's the biggest thing is I get 
now that I'm larger, I get a lot of smaller accounts asking me like, can you just shout out my stuff? And it's like, well, I don't necessarily mind helping grow smaller accounts, but you need to give me a reason about why I'm shouting it out. And honestly, it's better to find other accounts that are the same size as you interact with them that are doing the same or similar things, hobbies, passions as you. And then hopefully they'll interact with you and you'll collaborate and create natural growth together. Cause that's what I did naturally. And I have a lot of people that we were really small together and now we're all doing really big things. And it's really fun to think about like five years ago, how, how we met. So. Oh my gosh. Your story sounds just like our story. I mean, I look back at all the people who started at the same time as us and see how we've all grown. <clears throat> and I've grown, we've grown really big on Twitter. Some have grown really big on YouTube, but like yes. there's this camaraderie among, you know, the content creators who started around the same time. Like it's, it, well, it's like you say, it's just something really special. And I mean, I, I'm sitting here. Um, looking at these new content creators and I can already see like a bunch of new Alorcana content creators who are forming their own group and taking that journey themselves. And like, I want to be a part of that and I'd love to help shepherd them, but it seems like it almost seems like they get along better together than like someone like us coming in and, and chatting with them. Well, and that's kind of the interesting thing too, is I think it's okay also for larger and smaller creators to collaborate together, but there will be times when there are different groups that are, you know, engaging to different groups of people, um, you know, some to kids, some to adults, some to men, some to women, whatever it might be. Diversity representation matters. We're all going to find somebody who we identify with. So bring on more content creators. And the more we all engage with each other, that's my thing. If I see a post about like Lorcana or magic, whatever, something that interests me and I have a thought about it, I definitely liken it. I try to engage with it. I either say my opinion on it or ask a question back about it because I know that that's then feeding into that person and helping their account, but also sharing a valuable opinion and also People who are their followers who aren't following me might see my comment and be like, oh, that was a great point or a great question and then come to my account. So I'm not even really purposely doing that, but there's a reward in it for you to interact with other creators if you are yep. trying to grow. That was one of my guiding philosophies at the beginning was I wanted to share every other single content creator's content, number one, to get on their good side. So when I created content, you know, hopefully they'd promote it, but also, uh, just to be visible to their audience. Yeah. You definitely did a good job at that. That's why I knew who you were at Gen Con. I like, I didn't recognize you cause I don't, I don't think I'd seen your face much and yep. I hadn't clicked out of Twitter much, but I was like, Oh, I know your posts. Like, <laughs> so. I, uh, yeah, I have a loud mouth on Twitter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, let's talk about Lorcana. So when did you first notice it? Um, uh, you know, did you notice it when D23 roll around? When did you first get interested in it? And uh, at what point did you decide to cosplay at Gen Con? So that's a lot of questions. What there. month was D23? It was August of last year. Okay, yeah. so it was after D23. I, embarrassingly, it was how it was embarrassingly. It was around March. 
haven't invested too much on it yet, but I heard, I knew Disney Lorcana was coming out and I honestly thought it was an app. I thought it was complete competing <laughs> with Marvel Snap. Oh. So I kind of like had seen some things about it and wasn't paying attention about it. And then my partner said something about it. And I was like, oh no, I don't think I haven't downloaded the app. And they're like, no, 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 it's not an app. So to follow up your question, when did I decide I was going to start creating content for it? Well, I had been a guest on Decked Out Commander, which uh, my friend MTG Nerd Girl and some other creators, Veggie Wagon and Airball run. And Nerd Girl and I were traveling together to Orlando and had planned to go to Disney World together. And we were we had been talking about Lorcana together and like we were like, we want to get in on this like. We want to do like, they're like, we already have like a setup. Like, it's like, I want to get on this. It's like, I was, I'm already planning on creating content. And they're like, well, we could bring you in. And I was like, that's cool with me. So when we went to Disney World, we took a bunch of pictures together in April, planning to use them for promoting Disney posts that we would do together now. So I, I think I've posted one picture from two of us together. I think I saw that. Yeah, recently where we're in Epcot and we have the Tory gate behind us. Yeah. Donald yeah. Duck hanging on in a balloon with the Disney magic. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> in the in the same realm, it seemed like right around the same time, there were a lot of magic content creators that decided to get into Lorcana. Was there like a group psyche at the time was like hey we should start making Lorcana content um I'm not sure and I feel like we had talked about it and wanted to get on it sooner but I was traveling in Japan for two weeks and then I was traveling um to film a show in Canada and then I was traveling to a show in another part of Canada and then so I had, I had like literally like four weeks I had, and before that I had literally in eight weeks, I had six weeks of travel or like I had weekends in between there. Like it wasn't all seven days of travel at a time, but you know, I was going a lot of places. So there was no time to make Lorcana content prior to the first chapter or prior to Gen Con being dropped. So for us, we wanted to get on it sooner, but just, yeah, it wasn't lining up. <laughs> man what an interesting life you live yeah well in the tinkerbell cosplay okay so i wish i would have done tinkerbell giant fairy in some ways but when i was looking at the cards that were spoiled uh tinkerbell tiny tactician was the only one that was revealed at that point that i was interested in there was the classic tinkerbell the evasive emerald one but i i really liked the thimble hat I was looking at doing the Mickey Mouse Musketeer because I thought that was really cute and would be breezy for August in Indianapolis. A lot of the other things like wizard cloaks and some of the other things I was like summer and 100 degrees it ended up being a lot cooler at Gen Con than it has been some past years. But still, it's warm. So that's where Tinkerbell was what I went with. And you have to order fabric and you only have so much time. You have to give yourself time to make the costume. I think I gave myself three or two weeks. So yeah, you made it fast. Yeah. That doesn't sound like enough time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to do the shield 
button and the needle sword, but I didn't get that finished. So to be continued, I would like to still finish that and then have my friend shoot it. I did get a couple photos there, but I'd like to finish it. Who knows? So you mentioned uh, that you gathered together with some other content creators uh, from Magic the Gathering and created your own channel. It's called Lorcana Academy. Can you yes. tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So Lorcana Academy, you can find us on YouTube is primarily where we post our content. We do have a Twitter account where we share when we post new stuff and we post all sorts of content. If you're new to trading card games, we give you an overview of products and what's in each products and where you can get them. Um, if you are already knowing about gameplay, we have someone who covers decks and plays them on Pixaborn, statistics and strategy, all that sort of stuff. Then we have myself. I'm your kind of theatrics person. I give you all of the cosplay. I have some some plans potentially to dress up some of my other cast members doing the funny TikTok skits. I have a couple that I've uploaded that are yet to be published live that you'll see soon that are kind of my silly TikTok style of content that are just fun for the community. Um, and then we also have some comedy and Disney trivia as well. We've got gameplay with not just on Pixelborn, we've got it with cards and paper. We've got a multiplayer game. We've got Speed Larkana. We've got a sealed uh, tournament between the four of us, double elimination. Um, so yeah, we're, we've pretty much almost anything that you could think of, we're trying to give you and be well-rounded for parents, for kids, for adults, for newbies, for experienced players. We're, we're very experienced, but we want to make sure that everybody feels comfortable. Well, and the nice thing with, you said you've been doing this for five years now, it's very evident. A lot of us are new to this content creation game and it comes across that way. <laughs> but your guys' stuff, everything you put out is so well done. Thank you. Yeah, um, between us, I, I believe Nerd Girl has been doing full-time streaming for seven years and she was doing other stuff before that and then veggie has been doing their decked out show and doing a lot of the editing so we all have our skills that we bring to the table um just airball and nerd girl they have so many years of competitive trading card games experience i have a little bit too um but we're, we're i feel like we're really well-rounded so hopefully no matter what you like, if if I'm too cringe for you, there's somebody else who you'll like on Lorcana Academy. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Oh, <laughs> you okay. either love me or you are like instant cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I check my YouTube comments. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay. Um, so speaking of content creation. This is something we always like to ask content creators and you've already given us a lot of advice, but what advice would you give to fellow or aspiring content creators? I mean, you're pretty much an expert at this stage. Um, So it's presenting yourself on social media. You can totally practice recording yourself. Um, whether you're a live streamer or doing edited content, just throwing that out there. You can also practice in front of friends and family. You can also just 
throw your spaghetti against the wall and post stuff and see how it does. If you don't like it, you can always delete it later. Or my theory is just post more stuff because then the algorithm buries your old posts. And if you have one that's better, then you're like, oh, but yeah, presenting yourself, just be, I have a lot of natural confidence. So it's not a natural stage presence from doing dance and theater growing up. So I might have some natural attributes that you don't, but I would just say before you get in front of the camera, if you are doing live stuff, an interview like this, um, just take a deep breath, smile. We're all doing content creation together. So like if my microphone was having problems, I'm sure y'all would be understanding and we would figure something out. Like, you know, stuff happens. I've, I've had a lot of technical issues before I've gotten to the flow of where I am today. Friends, I would do streams where it was literally just like, figure out ZBEX's technical issues streams or like, let's set up ZBEX's uh, Twitch channel point icons and just like, what icon should we put here? Just as I'm clicking around, chatting with people, you know, just make it your own, have fun with it. I used to think that you had to put on like makeup to go live because Twitch girls put on makeup to go live. But then I, when I met MTG Nerd Girl for the first time uh, back in 2020 in Phoenix, Arizona, before the world ended, this was before we did any content together. I met her and she was streaming on Twitch and I was like, yeah, what makeup do you do? And she's like, just what I'm doing now. Like, and she's pretty simple as far as like mascara girls go. She looks great. She doesn't need any makeup. And I was like, wow, you can just do that. And like seeing the viewership that she had and being like, oh, I don't have to look like a beautiful Twitch girl. There are girls who I know who like to look like that before they go on. But it's also nice to know if you establish that I can come on in glasses and no makeup and people aren't going to be like, are you sick? Because if I've done that before, then it's like normal. So like, it's kind of nice to know that if you, whatever you establish as your normal can be your normal. So go with that. Be weird. It will be normal for you. When I think in this day and age, people honestly appreciate the authentic raw version of, of people. It's a lot easier to connect with somebody like that than somebody who's well polished and, you know, always dotting their I's and crossing their T's. And oh my gosh, the people in your community who are there for you, who have information, who want to share and help you, like the people who understood technical stuff that were like, no, try this, try this. And they're just excited when you get it. Like, that's cool. That make that's those people that, you know, were there at the beginning of you posting and you see them commenting years later and you're like, oh. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, brings us to that the end of that section so let's let's move on to the ending segments we got a lot of them this time so let's we're going to get through some of these pretty quickly but first up Lorcana lexicon what is our Lorcana lexicon for today jared so we were discussing last week you had an opponent who was running their turns really slow just trying to run the timeout and i had a listener um send me a direct message on twitter sam the lumineer uh, I actually played Hearthstone a little bit, and so I understood exactly what he's talking about. This is a term that comes from Hearthstone. It's called roping, 
when you play Hearthstone and you take a long time, a rope appears. It looks like a little dynamite thing which slowly ticks down. And when it gets to the end, uh, your turn is over. Sometimes when people want to be jerks, they, uh, they'll they run out of the clock until the rope goes all the way down. So uh, that's what your opponent was doing. They were roping. Yeah, interesting. I'll, I'll call them on that next time if I play them again. In Magic, I, I didn't hear last week's episode, but in Magic, it's totally okay to be like, hey, I know it's a new game, but can you play a little faster? Like, or, you know, like, you know, are you, you can quest for lore with this one or do that. But if there's nothing else you can do, then, you know, politely. They, they were, it was someone who was playing a, a certain speed. And then after they lost the first game, they played twice as fast. <laughs> yeah. Those people are definitely doing it intentionally. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. Now, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we are, uh, we had some news. This is a comment from the community manager in uh, the Lorcan HQ Discord. Uh, her name is Rochelle. And somebody asked her, they said, curious on your thoughts, Rochelle, how do you feel the release of set one slash the game has gone? Something like that. And she gave this comment. And I think the statement today kind of fed into this. She said, honestly, my perspective is a bit different, obviously. But seeing how quickly we're getting this amount of reprints out this fast is pretty unreal. I know fans don't see it yet, so there's uneasiness, but things will get a lot better soon. So, I mean, obviously she's on the inside. She's privy to things that we don't know. Things that, like, we just simply don't see. And hopefully, and for her to come out and say this, it really gives me hope that they are, you know, busting their butts to get the reprints out there get stock out so people can have this game in their hands. And hopefully it's not just PR speak, but I genuinely believe that she's being sincere with this statement here. It sounds like it. I mean, you'd like, like I said, you'd like to hope that that's what it it is. It's like, they're actually working as hard as they can to, to get everything out in, in a, in a speedy manner as possible. I genuinely don't think that it, they did a bad job at the release. I think they did a fairly decent job. I knew there was going to be an insane amount of hype more than the fact that previews didn't start sooner. I think didn't build, didn't give people who weren't paying attention a chance to catch on like the way that, you know, Netflix pauses a, and does half of a season later now, and then it gives people like that four weeks to catch up and talk about it or whatever. Like we didn't quite get that time. Um, but I think when you look at other games and production wise and them getting product, um, like for example, the Doctor Who decks from Magic the Gathering, like very limited supply of product that just came out that they've known, you know, I'm not bad mouthing any company, but stuff happens like even pokemon the you know uh obsidian flames 151 very hard to get very low stock places so or even the van gogh promos you know one piece tcg another one like there's a lot of these things that are like they're hot and stores get a little bit because they're testing it out and i think i know like i know a lot of stores that got a decent amount of Lorcana for it being a new trading card game so you know, I think they did good. And I am happy with what her statement said. I, it gives me more confidence for sure. I appreciate that perspective. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm like, 
I feel happy that I went to Gen Con and got product. So Same I was not here. relying on a game store. <laughs> Same here. So the next thing that's up is actually just something interesting that I wanted to comment on. It's not really news per se, uh, but uh, Jared had posted a couple days ago, well, yesterday when we're recording this, um, about the fact that people were kind of like wondering why Donald and Minnie that the, the Donald was revealed that we'll talk about soon is a di deep sea diver. And there was a, a diver mini that was revealed uh, earlier. And some people were like, why don't they look similar? Like, why does one look futuristic and the other doesn't or whatever it may be? And uh, someone replied to you thinking that, you know, it's they for the reason why they thought being, you know, floodborne versus dreamborn. And Disney Lorcana actually replied to that question with this uh, statement about, Floodborns and such. Glimmer's classifications are solely based on how they came to be whatever they are. Minnie Mouse is affected by the magical ink flood and transformed into a diver. While Donald Duck hasn't been touched by the flood, rather he was created as a diver. So it's interesting to me that all of these things that we've kind of like known but not really thought about in that specific detail, like when we're shifting cards... We're just thinking I'm playing a shifted card onto another. I'm I'm like, this new stitch is coming on top of this old stitch. But in game, we're actually, the magical ink is transforming whatever card you have in play into the Floodborne version. It's actually a transformation onto that character. So that's, that never really clicked with me before that that's what we were doing when we were shifting characters. That gives me uh, so much perspective and definitely an aha moment of why, because it's frustrating from magic when, you know, you have a character like Liliana of the Veil that's been redone by so many different artists. So her dress, the V-neck of it or the shoulders vary by like a trim, you know, inches, centimeters, like how far down does it go? Does it stop at the chest? Does it go down to the stomach? You're like, why can't they be consistent? So I felt that way with Tinkerbell. I was like, ah, I just made this really cute costume. And now the really powerful card comes out and she looks completely different. But it makes sense now. Like, no wonder, because you you put new ink on the paper. Inked her. Yes. Yeah, inked her. So yeah, so I just thought it was, a, like you said, it was an aha moment where I'm like, I can't, I thought, I thought we knew this. But then when you think about it, you're like, no, we didn't really know this because it wasn't really revealed putting those two things together in my head. So I just thought it was a cool thing. And this was a um, a reply to, like I said, to a question to Jared's tweet, original tweet. And it was seen when I looked at it, it was seen by less than 300 people uh, in view. So I'm like, that means almost no one has seen this information. So I just wanted to get it out there. Uh, so you can go look at it. It's a tweet to a reply. You can go look for it um, on their feed if you go in the replies section. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to comment about that. I thought that was pretty cool. And now it's time for new cards. And oh my goodness, we've gotten a ton of new cards. I'm going to go through some of these really fast because we got a lot of vanilla cards and there's so many of them. We don't want to like spend another hour on these things. So first up, uh, Prince Charming was a four drop in Sapphire, three, three with three lore, vanilla. Uh, we've got that Donald we mentioned, Deep Sea Diver, a five cost, uh, six five with one lore. It's basically the captain from the first chapter. Uh, we have a new Tigger. He is not no longer one of a kind, even though the name of this card is one of a kind. 
And it's a Dreamborn three drop. Uh, that's a three three with one lore, and he has the ability Energetic. Whenever you play an action, this character gets to attack strength this turn. Um, and then we have a new mini zipping around at a two drop, a three two with one lore. It's a vanilla as well with amazing art. This is just honestly, we can talk about the art all day long with all of these cards in this set because the art has been incredible. Um, and then we have a two drop in amber, the Grand Duke, advisor to the king with two two, and the ability, yes, your majesty, your prince, princess, king, and queen characters all get one strength, and he has one lore. Uh, so that's pretty cool if you're playing a princess or whatever deck uh, to all give them all extra um, extra strength. And uh, now let's start talking about some of these cards that they've revealed that are going to be doing some pretty fancy things. And first up, we have the combo that was revealed. Uh, we have Arthur, an uninkable three drop in Amethyst, a one three uh, with the ability student. Whenever this character quests, you may return another chosen character of yours to your hand to gain two lore. And after the whole reveals of all these characters in Amethyst with the whole Merlins and Mims that were doing all these things on enter and exit from play, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think the Merlin goat, when he returns to your hand, you also get one lore. So I'm just thinking if you have the goat... On the table, you quest, get a lore. Quest with Arthur, get a lore from Arthur. Bounce goat back to hand, get a lore from goat, and then get two lore from Arthur. That's five right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some crazy bouncing and, and combo shenanigans going on with, with Amethyst in this set. It's it's pretty awesome. And yeah. then at the end of the duel, the, the duel that was happening in Lorcan HQ with the uh, the, the uh, Madam Mim and Merlin cards ended with Madam Mim Purple Dragon, a seven-cost inkable 5-7 with four lore. Only our second four lore character. And this dragon has evasive and the ability I win, I win. When you play this character, banish her or return another two chosen characters of yours to your hand. So I've heard the arguments on both sides. Like, number one, this is a terrible card to top deck if you've got nothing on the board. Uh, But number two, if you've got two of those Merlin goats on the table, this is a fantastic card to play. But taking two cards of yours off the table also decreases tempo. But I mean, I love this card. I And I again, I'm going to go back to saying this. I'm sure somebody smarter than me is going to find out some way to make Madame Mim and the Merlin and the Arthur combos all work out. Yeah. You know, I could see um besides the the fun obvious Merlin bounce, if you just had a lot of smaller creatures, I, like you went that go wide, go fast strategy and then then you're stuck with a bunch of creatures that excuse me, characters that can't interact well with your opponent's characters, they just get banished and don't do enough damage to trade with your opponent's characters. I could see you bouncing back two little characters or a character that's like one damage away from going to be banished. Yeah. I mean, and you can bounce those characters back and throw them into the inkwell if you haven't done that or mm-hmm. save them to throw into the inkwell for another turn. There yeah. are lots of different, um, and, and I could totally see this being thrown into an Amber deck too, where they have that go wide strategy. You throw in the Justin or the zero to hero and cheat out this Madame M even faster 
Like that could be a really good combo. And Madame Mim Purple Dragon is a subtype dragon. So if you're wanting to build a dragon deck, like potentially I'm still hoping for that to be a thing. It will be a thing. But that means also that this card will be banished instantly by the Fang <laughs> crossbow. So it is yeah. also the first uh, Amethyst Legendary, I think, that we've been had revealed. So this is one of the legendaries. Yeah. Uh, you want to cover the emeralds? Yep. So the next one is Prince John, greediest of all on emerald. He's a three cost, uninkable. He has one strength, two willpower, dreamborn villain prince. He has ward, which is awesome. Um, and his ability is I sentence you. And this is just crazy. This is just crazy. Whenever your opponent discards one or more cards, you may draw a card for each card discarded. So the obvious one people think about is a whole new world. If your opponent gets rid of five cards, you're drawing seven plus five. But even like new cards today, like the Daisy Duck when she quests, uh, your opponents have to discard a card. You'll be able to draw one with Prince John. And he has two lore too. Put him right in my deck. Done. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So a lot of people in Zbex, maybe we'll get your perspective on this too. A lot of people are concerned that Lorcana seems to be making a big push for card or discarding cards as a game mechanic. Do you think that's a good or a bad thing? I think it's fine. I saw this today on Twitter and I commented on it. I think it's totally okay that Lorcana is bringing in hand disruption into the game. Uh, card advantage is a very good thing to be aware of as a trading card game player. Um, I think it's a fine strategy. I don't think it's, it's not ink destruction. If we start getting into ink destruction where you're being, you're losing the ability to play cards from your hand, that's mean. There are some cards in Amber that get stuff back from your discard. Yep. Um, I've already seen it like Hades. Um, does it is it Akuna Matata or part of your world? Which part of your world. Part of your world. Um, clearly, I didn't open enough good amber cards to build <laughs> an amber deck. If I had opened amber rares, I would know more. Um, but yeah, so I think if they're giving us more discard stuff. For the opponent, they will also be giving us more stuff to get into our discard pile, or we're seeing stuff where we're getting stuff being returned to our hand. So also, as a counterpoint, if they're making cards that is returning stuff to your hand, allowing you to replay it, whether you're doing it as a character or as ink, like you just said with Madame Mim, they need to counterbalance that. It's like, oh, well, my opponent just keeps re bouncing this and replaying it and getting two lore every time i need them to discard some cards so they stop this loop so i think it's fine yeah right there with you i think we've got we've got a powered up i think this second set is obviously much more powerful than the first which is good get people who had never played trading card games before an intro because i've definitely played with a lot of people at my local store where some have played Magic, and some this is their first foray into card games ever. So I think it's good. Yeah, It's time to get real. 
<laughs> okay. Let's talk about the next card. She's also on Emerald. Daisy Duck, four cost, inkable, secret agent, uh, two strength, three willpower, dreamborn ally. She has two lore. Her ability is thwart. Whenever this character quests, each opponent chooses and discards a card. And I just have I just have to say, my first impression of this when I saw it, she looks like Magicka Dispel from the DuckTales. I can't be mm-hmm. the only one who thought this. Yeah. No. No, it's 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 awesome art. I mean, yes, but she does look like that uh, Magicka. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, great card, love it. I agree. Discard. Um, I think um, she probably doesn't survive very long because she only has three strength, but uh, and she's four cost. So you have to decide how much you want to lean into this card discarding mechanic. But I can absolutely see a deck that utilizes this ability so the next one we have this is also just a crazy card three cost uh uninkable on emerald bibbity bobbity boo it's an action song a character with cost three or more can exert to sing the song for free return chosen character of yours to your hand to play another character with the same cost or less for free so uh yeah this is pretty crazy yeah, as soon as this came out, uh, I think I looked in the uh, spoiler section on Lorcana HQ, and this, I think, within an hour or two, had more comments on that little chat about specifically this card than almost any card that had been revealed in the last week or two, because everyone was just talking about all the different ways that this card can be used, because it is powerful. It's going to be very powerful and, and game-changing a lot of times, I think. We talked about the term blink last week. That was our Lorcana lexicon. And uh, this card basically allows that blink ability. If you have a card like uh, uh, Maleficent Monstrous Dragon, player to the field, banish a character, have one of your characters sing the song, you can pick up that Maleficent and play her again to banish another card. Like it's just, it's it's crazy. Yes. And and so what Jared is mentioning is actually that was a rules clarification because everyone was wondering, could you replay the same exact card? And uh, the official Oricon account actually did tweet it out regarding the questions with another card in the text. If a card goes to a zone other players wouldn't normally have knowledge of, like the hand, the deck, or the inkwell, the card is not treated as the same card. It is treated as if it was, if it were another card. So any private information card is now it's back to being just whatever it could be. And you can play the same exact card right back down. Wow. Yeah. That, that made that it seems so kind of more... different from magic. Yeah. That's what that made it so much more powerful. Cool. I didn't know that. Thank you for sharing that. All right. So we only have a few more. Well, thanks to that uh, announcement, the promos earlier, we have a lot more cards. Let's get through a few of these really quick. Some more really quick. Yeah. We have, Another legendary uh, in Ruby, Scar, Vicious Cheater, uh, seven uh, drop uninkable with six, five. He has Rush and one of my favorite ever ability names, Daddy Isn't Here to Save You. During your turn, whenever this character banishes another character in a challenge, you may ready this character. He can't quest for the rest of this turn. And he has two lore. Uh, So this is similar to the legendary beast that we uh, had revealed uh, where he can ready every time that a a character receives damage. Uh, This one, he has to do the banishing on his turn on his, on his uh, action. So 
It's a little different, but still pretty awesome. Uh, and then in Steel, we have Li Shang, Archery Instructor, a five drop, three six with two lore, and the ability Archery Lesson. Whenever this character quests, your characters gain evasive this turn. And this card is going to be very helpful uh, in combating the uh, evasive heavy decks uh, with Steel, who has very little evasive, actually. So uh, He's going to make a man out of your Steel deck. That's right. But I'm... <laughs> and uh jared why don't you go ahead and reveal that other steel card that we got today yeah so today we got a uh, this is a an absolute unit of a card goofy night for a day he's on steel nine cost inkable 10 strength 10 willpower four lore so this is our third four lore character um yeah this is an absolute unit and uh this card drummed up a lot of discussion on Twitter today because automatically, like almost instantly, people are like, dice to removal. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, it dice to removal. And, you know, James Reimer made the, the point, and it makes sense to me. He's like, if you play a card that costs more than five, you want to get some value out of it. There's no ability on this card. So you're trading a nine card, nine cost card for a five cost card. Um, but, you know, the counterpoint to that also is that you don't know what your opponent has. You don't know if they have removal. Maybe they re use their removal on somebody else. Maybe they'll use your their removal on Goofy instead of your Bell. Like, there are so many different factors that go into it that maybe playing a nine-cost beast of a unit has its advantage. Yeah. Ten, ten willpower is a lot. Like... I played against a couple of Amber Stitches, the four eight ones, right? They're four eights. Yeah. And two with two of them out, I was like, my stuff's literally just not big enough. I'm so excited for this Goofy. Yeah, it's a cool looking car too. I mean, if you have a ramp deck, you could have this out by turn five or six. There's a world yes. where that happens. And if you're playing Steel and Amber, there's the Amber Mickey Mouse that was revealed coming out that when you quest with uh, with that Mickey, you can pay three less for the next character. So he can come out at turn seven just, just with the other Mickey in play without any other shenanigans of ramp or anything. It's true. So yeah, and I, you know, when it first dropped and I saw the 10-10, I'm like, being the first 10, I'm like, that looks really strange in those little... <laughs> icons i'm like that that almost looks fake because we hadn't seen any tens in there yet and i'm like is that real oh, okay that's real that's that's pretty awesome is there some like thing that i'm missing here isn't the first goofy that we got that's ruby isn't it a five five that has two isn't it just double all the stats yeah pretty much yeah like it's like nine half half of double a five yeah almost. it's just I, basically it would have been probably a 10 drop but uh, it doesn't have evasive so if it had evasive, it probably would have cost 10 to play. I just think it's funny. It's like, well, you're a knight for the day, so you get all the stats. <laughs> 10 out of 10. You're worth two daredevil goofies. <laughs> I just need five flounder to take this boy out. <laughs> That's and all. Discounted, since it doesn't have evasive, discounted two daredevil goofies. Right. All right. And then we mentioned uh, that they dropped three promos. Uh, when they announced all of this information, we went over at the at the beginning of the show, and those three promos. Uh, which one do you want to reveal, Jared? Which one do you want to talk about? 
Sure, I'll do uh, four dozen eggs, the one with Gaston. Um, and I have a feeling this was the one they were talking about when they said there would be a Gaston promo at the London MCM uh, Festival or Comic-Con. Uh, but it's four cost, it's inkable, it's an action and a song. A character with cost four or more can exert to sing the song for free. Your characters gain resist plus two until the start of your next turn. So I guess this is a very like, I don't know. It's funny to say that attacking your opponent's board is a defensive measure, but it kind of is. This is like a defensive measure that will allow you to really attack into your opponent's board to clear out any of their exerted characters. And protect you on the next turn when they're trying to get you. If if there's anything that's going to be needing to get challenged against you. Yeah, is that's true. Is this the first card that we've had that's until the start of your next turn? I think there was one other one, but it wasn't. There was one other one, yeah. I don't think it was for resist, was it? It might have been. Oh, it's man. Like that's cool, character, though. Maybe. I'd have to go look. Um, that's big. Yeah, it's big. Uh, and then we have Pinocchio, our first Pinocchio card. Uh, two drop, uninkable, one, one, talkative puppet. And with the ability telling lies, when you play this character, you may exert chosen opposing character. Uh, so this is your basic, uh, like, fits right in with uh, all the frozen cards uh, that we're doing all the exerting, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, that fits right into the amethyst uh, mode. Um, Sorry, and- I had to. Uh, I had to look it up. It's mouse armor. It also you gives your character resist plus one until the start of your next turn. And that's an item, so it's you can have that down and every turn, and whenever you do get four dozen eggs, you can have that extra two resist. Three and if you have a Cogsworth, a Grandpa Cogsworth in play, there's another resist. Uh, dice to removal. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and then the final card, the one that's on the pin for the promo pin, the new Rapunzel gifted artist. The art is amazing. Do you have this card up, Zbex? Do you want to go I do. over this? Yeah, you want to you want to read what this one is? Sure. So this is Rapunzel gifted artist. She is five cost. She is inkable. She has zero strength, but six willpower. She has shift three. So you can pay three to put it on top of one of your other characters named Rapunzel. She quests for two lore and she has another ability. Let your power shine whenever you remove one or more damage from one of your characters you may draw a card so we're getting to see the same enter the battlefield ability from the first rapunzel of the first chapter but this is just better because it's a static ability in play that just happens every time you remove one or more so only at at one instance who's ready for a dinglehopper meta Right, Dinglehopper and Hakuna Matatas. I mean, honestly, I have Hakuna four Hakuna Matatas in my deck, and I have in all the games I've played, I have healed with it once, because it's <laughs> always ink. I so, I remember I remember playing a three player game with you and Eric, and you played that game or you played that card, and or maybe it's just me and you, uh, but I remember you played that card, and it definitely changed the course of the game. Yeah. And and now that you can draw cards when you do that, like if you if you again, if you have an aggro deck, if you're going wide and you have one damage on it, if someone pings with Tink, giant Tink, and all of a sudden, you know, you have five characters with that damage on them and like, oh, let me play Hakuna Matata with this Rapunzel out. And oh, I'm sorry. I just drew five cards. So silly. I love it. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and the, the, I mean, this is uh, so far, this might be my favorite art uh, from all of the new cards. Okay. So is that it for the news? Oh, man, that is all of the news. So much stuff. <laughs> that it? Okay. Then it's time for Disney Jeopardy. And Zbex has agreed to join us. So let's give it a go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Do so I have to buzz in? You have to buzz in. You have to beat uh, James. Just teasing. No. <laughs> uh, this is a very informal Jeopardy. <clears throat> okay. Okay. For 100, this is the name of Rapunzel's chameleon. Oh, uh, Pascal. Ding, ding, ding. We would also accept who is Pascal. Oh, I guess <laughs> I didn't put it in the form of a question. I am a Jeopardy nerd. I should know this. <laughs> okay. For 200, this is the dish shared by Lady and the Tramp at Tony's Restaurant. Uh, the What is spaghetti with... I think it's just spaghetti. It might have a meatball, though. Yeah. Yep. I would have really? accepted just spaghetti, too. Okay, two for two. Okay, Tinkerbell is this kind of being. Oh, what is a fairy? Ding, ding, ding. Three for three. All right, this one's tough. For 400, this is the name Ursula takes when disguised as a human. Oh, I did watch The Little Mermaid maybe like two or three months ago. Like I'm the, just going to say Erica. That uh, is very close. Starts with a V. Uh, Vanna White? I don't know. <laughs> Who is Vanessa? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Erica was not close at all. Okay, but Erica, Vanessa, they both in an uh. I and... think I was just thinking Eric. Prince yeah, Eric, Eric. Prince Eric from Little Maria. So I thought probably was... <laughs> All right, for 500, you have a 50-50 chance on this one. This is the shoe that Cinderella leaves behind at the ball, like the side of the shoe. Um, or the, the foot, left or right. Okay, well, I did watch Cinderella recently, too. And based on the fact that the ugly stepsister is sitting on the left side of the screen when the servant is trying to put on the shoe when it doesn't fit, and I think... You can see the foot with her other leg up. I think it's, I think they have the left slipper and I think that she left the right slipper behind. The left slipper breaks and she has the right slipper in her possession. Did I say that right? Okay. Okay. So when they're going around, they're trying the shoe on and that slipper breaks. That's You're saying that's one. the left one. Yeah. That is correct. Oh man. <laughs> Your logic is a beautiful thing. <laughs> like when you're like when she's on the screen, she's facing the left. <laughs> like, wow. I would okay. never have thought to think like that. I'm a photographic memory, and this is where cosplay comes in. And when you're like thinking about like what leg would be up and like how you'd pose to a camera, like and what one it would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Okay, four for five. You did good. Nice. Oh, yeah, I would have been like, uh, 50-50, let me just guess. <laughs> That's exactly what I would have done. Hey, we can use logic, folks. Our brains do more than one thing. Sometimes. 
All right. Well, again, thank you for coming on and joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. If people want to find you, go ahead and plug your uh, socials and your YouTube channel again. Yeah, thanks for having me on. If this is your first time getting to know me, hi, I'm Zbex. I'm a professional cosplayer and trading card game personality. You can follow me everywhere at Zbex, Z-B-E-X-X. I'm on YouTube. I'm on TikTok. On both of those, I'm going for 100K before my birthday at the end of the year. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch. I'm everywhere, just at Zbex. Thank you for having me on. It's been fabulous impressive thank you for joining us so if you liked what you heard you can subscribe to us on youtube you can follow us on the podcasting platform of your choice you can follow me on twitter at citizens of lorcana i don't have like a list of 12 things to tell people it's it's very simple and uh, james where can they find you uh you can find me everywhere at dan regal or you can check out geekshotphoto.com for uh, links for my wife and i for social media and photography and all that and uh, thank you again, Zbex, for joining us. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.